0: From the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. I'm gonna talk hopefully very briefly about two things, just building on everything that has been spoken. Thank you, oh Lori. Oh Lori, oh, Lori. Which is the correct one? Oh Lori, okay. And thank you, Prophet Adam. The reason why I'm I'm thanking both of you is because you laid such a proper foundation for what the Lord has put in my heart so that I don't have to go over some things, just stick to the direction, yes? And Prophet Adam said something today that really blew my mind. He said, explaining God, God is God, and God introduced himself as I am. Remember eh? And so everything that God did was a result of his from his personhood. He did not act to become God. He did not do the things to become God. He did them because he was God. And when God, when Jesus gave us his life, he also gave us that, that pattern of living where we do things because we are. And so we don't do things to become. As children of God, we are children of God, so we do the things that we do. And our identity is not tied to the things we do. That is why he was saying that every other thing that were man's interpretation of God did not make God because it would have limited God if he had added anything to himself. So God created, yeah? But God, I don't want to say God is not creator. Because that's not the essence of who he is. He's God. Do you understand the context I'm saying this thing? So anything that you do for God does not make you a child of God. Everything that you do for him is because you are a child of God. So your security rests in who you are. The confidence that you have of yourself in God is what prompts you to do the things that you do. And until you understand who you are in God, you will not fully do the things that you can do. Let me give you an, a perfect example. How many of you can, are afraid to enter the kitchen of your house? Your mothers go to your mother's house. Now, you want to enter her kitchen and cook food. And you are just like, "I'm not really sure. I need to take some permissions before I enter." Maybe today is not a good day. Let me wait for the day that she's excited and I'll say, mom, please, can I enter the kitchen? Does that sound weird? Why? Uh Not just because she's your mom, but because you are a child of that house, correct? You belong there. You understand that you have access to everything that is in that house to use at your disposal, at your will, at just the very thoughts of your desire, you go and do the things that you have access to. So as children of God, we do not approach God with a sense of, I need to get things right before I can get into his presence. We do that from the standpoint of ownership because we are children of God and we belong there And we have access to everything that God has access to because we have that capacity to do. So if I want to cook jollof rice, I know where the rice is. I know where the fish is. I know where the ingredients are in the kitchen. I have knowledge of it and I am able to put it together based on the recipes my mom has taught me because I have sat down under her tutelage to learn from her by observation that it comes to me naturally. So when I do the things that I do for God, I don't do them because I'm trying to, earns a place with God. It comes from a natural place of having been there and taking ownership of being in that presence. That everything I do comes naturally and flows from there. So when I don't have a struggle to do the right things because it's our home training. I'm not doing it so that God will say to me, you're a good child. No, it's our home training. We've stayed there. It has become second nature to us. And today we're going to be talking about intimacy, but broken down. The first thing I'm going to talk about today is desire. See, you will sit down under countless word conferences. If you don't desire God, you're going to do nothing with it if you don't desire God, you are going to do nothing with it. At the worst, you are going to use it for your own self-aggrandizement or to show that you are a faithful servant. You see, this well-done good and faithful servant, hmm? some of us desire it because we are still seeking validation. We desire to hear it because it just satisfies something in you that makes you feel like you've done well. But you've already done well. And this is the fruit of your doing well. That you have God, you've done well. And the fruit of, your, of who you are is, is shown in the things that you do. I'm trying my best to see how to communicate it because a mango tree does not struggle to bear mango fruits. It is a mango tree. And as a result of the fact that it's a tree, it bears fruit. But if a mango tree desires to bear guavas because it does not understand who it is, it's going to struggle to be accepted in the league of guava trees. Praise God. Desire, yes. Desire, let me start this way. In Genesis, we know that God made us in his image and likeness. That means certain ways that you see God in scripture, yes, is is in us a measure of our ability to do those things. Because we're made like God. God created the heavens and earth, so we have the ability to create. Correct? Because God loved us. We have the ability to love like God. Correct? God gave us the desire god desires things so we to have desires god has emotions so we to have emotions god has um there are attributes of god that god has that we can see in us yeah. because we're made like god desire is something that god has and god gave us and we have desire and that's why god gave us will the ability to choose to make decisions yes because we are not robots Yes, because God is, not, God is not controlled by anything. Is everybody following me so far? So in Genesis, God, speaking of Eve's decision to eat the fruit, said that she looked at the tree and she saw that it was desirable to make one wise. And so she made the decision to eat it, give her husband who was we have. The reason I'm saying this is that we must choose God. We must desire God. God must be the utmost desire of our lives. See, if you don't desire God, eh, You're going to do the things that they say you should do because they said this is the right thing to do, not because you want to do it. You see why it's a struggle for you to pray for long hours or it's a struggle for you to study the Word? It's because you don't have desire. How many of you did Extra Cool? People are looking at me strange. How many of you did MTN Extra Cool? Raise your hand. Raise it. If you don't know Extra Cool, you missed a, a phenomenal time in history. Extra Cool is when MTN was giving free uh, night calls from 12 a.m. to 6... 5. 5 a.m. Yes. Free! You can talk for free and useless things we used to say in the night. I remember, I remember me, I'm a victim of, <laughs> X, yes, sorry, sir, I was a victim. You know, I would be on the phone talking about nothing, absolute nothing. Like the next day, if you ask me, what did you say from 12 to 4? Nothing, you know, we just sing, we'll even be singing on the phone. (laughs) I finish, we are doing nothing. Why? Desire. Desire. People have loved because we have the inner capacity in us that allows us to love like God loves. So when you fix your affection on a thing, you go for it, 100. Have you seen people that damn everything because they want to climb a career ladder? Anything, their joy and peace included, is desire. It's desire. See, the early church, yes, they see, let me give you in fact. Eh, What I'm going to say now is what I'm supposed to say tomorrow, but I have to just say it now because, you know, you cannot plan more than God. Do you understand? (laughs) Yes, you cannot plan more than God. (laughs) Peter and the disciples, they walked with Jesus. First of all, it blows my mind. This Jesus that I served, you people saw him literally. They walked with him and they loved him. And they followed him and they did the things that he said. See, their service to him before his resurrection was not a fluke. They gave everything to follow him. But then Jesus died. He now died and left them. Yes, they forgot I he said he was coming back. And then they just said, Tom, he has gone now. Let's go and do what we were doing before he came. In with their sorrow and sadness. went to fish. And when Jesus resurrected and was appearing, he said Peter went to fish and James and John decided to follow him. This is um, the scripture reference is um, John, John 21. Yes, and they went to follow him. And they were traveling all night again and caught nothing. Yes, and Jesus said, have you people been fishing? Obviously, Jesus Yes, they've been fishing. <laughs> yes, and he says, cast your net, to left. And they caught fish. And he went to wait for them on the shore and was um, roasting fish. And then Jesus, um, Peter, you know, a guy, any small thing, off. He just jumped into the water, swam to the, she even left the fish. Go, no, you know, and went to meet Jesus. And then Jesus said to him, do you love me more than this? do you love me more than this? And he said, I love you. He asked him again, do you love me more than this? Because we must love God more than this. He must be the epitome of our affection. That's what God quarrel with the children of Israel. And he always called them adulterers because they set their affection on something else other than him. Because it was the, the depiction of that scenario was a marriage depiction. Nobody wants their wife or husband to show more affection to something else other than them. Because the highest level of, of intimacy is the marriage bed. And if God had married the children of Israel, but he set their affection on something else other than him, it was termed adultery. You must love God more than this. You must desire him above everything, above the things. In fact, what makes your heart beat should be what makes God's heart beat. To the extent that God does not have to give you an instruction. You feel his heart beat and you move in the direction of his heart beats. If God is crying for a generation, you say, God, cry with me. Let me echo the tears that are running down your eyes until I see that my generation becomes everything that you know we are. Because we know that when God sets something in motion, it has eternal consequences. It has eternal consequence. You know when they say see no man after the flesh, we just think that in in the spiritual realm is transparent. We are transparent up there. So it's a flying thing. I see your color is blue in the (laughs) spirits. What what is blue doing for you? (laughs) Do you understand? Because when we see people as God sees them, we see the eternal value he places on them. And not just simply because they are in his image, but they are in line to accomplish his internal will. So when we see, when you see the person serving beside you, you know that the oil of God on their life is to accomplish something in time that has generational impact. That's why we obey. Because we see What's coming? You know, last time I was here, I told you something. That the voice of God was cast, as the Bible says, from the time of Malachi. And it took about 400 years before Jesus appeared on the scene. But there were faithful people who kept talking about the Messiah for those 400 years, enough for the disciples to recognize him when he showed on the scene. Because if those people did not speak consistently, even after the voice of God was silent, sometimes we want the gymnastics. We want to be shaking in the spirit before we hear the will of God. In fact, we esteem the signs and wonders over his word. We want the miraculous. And the reason we want this is because somebody should know that you've had an encounter. It's not about God anymore. Our desire is not for him. Our desire is for what he makes of us. See, you must desire God above yourself, above what you want it to be that you have become. You know, sometimes, let me just tell you the truth. You want to fulfill purpose because you don't want to miss it, not because you want to do God's will. that is the truth you don't want to have missed out you don't want it to have been said of you that you lived a life that you didn't fulfill purpose so you are chasing purpose for purpose sake not for God's sake because if it's for God's sake everything that you should do is here already that purpose you are looking for is in the Bible is there but you don't want to take the time to read it you want a prophet to speak a word A word. But we do not have a high priest who is not touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Because in every way that we are, he was. Yet he he did not sin. And if the words of God were inspired by the one who breathed the heavens and the earth, and he has said, do this, which other word are you looking for? What... It says that, and the wind came, but his voice was not in the wind. The the quakes came, but his voice was not in the quake, but in a still, small voice. Do you know that God will not speak to you in signs and wonders if you don't know his word? Because you are going to attach glory to the signs and wonders instead of him. And God is more conscious about building you to his standard than he is about giving you anything. And that is his goodness. So you are chasing miracles. Those of you attending hallelujah challenge because you are looking for miracles. Go there and find God. Go there and find God. Because sometimes I read the comments, my tongue will come. Your tongue will come because God is good. But in him is the fullness of everything. He says there's no good thing that I will withhold from you. He said if you wicked people can give good gifts to your children, how much more? What did that scripture say? Yes. Give you what? Did he say give you what you're asking for? Yes. Because the Spirit of God is the best gift. If you have the Spirit of God, you have everything. So in his goodness, God will give you the best. And he has given you the best. And he gave you Jesus. And with Jesus, you have everything. And if you desire Jesus in him, is everything. It's, it's almost... Glory to God. Glory to God. But beyond desire, yes, so in my notes here, I wrote that children, I'm going to use an example of hmm, nothing in this note is even coming out, (laughs) 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 glory to God, (laughs) the okay, well, you must match up past desire to devotion because children desire so many things. Yes they desire everything, every shiny thing. They want it. So when you give your life to Christ, you are excited about God. You are excited about the possibilities that are in God. And you want everything now. But we must respect the fact that God sees the God has lived the end from the beginning. So God will take you through processes to make sure that you are executing his will according to the patterns of time that he has laid out. So even the desires of your hearts and the desires for your prayers must fulfill within the timeline God has set them to do. But we must be steadfast, regardless of the wait. Some of us, when we get a burden or a call from God, we just feel like that burden must be executed now because of the urgency. Yes? But we don't wait to hear from God his timing and his process and his pattern and because we don't hear that or we are not willing to just move even though we don't hear yes we get discouraged when we don't see results after a few months the bible speaks of one called Anna that prayed and fasted until she saw the Messiah she said she was 80 yes when she saw the Messiah. They didn't tell us when she started praying. but You can just assume an age. In those times, they usually marry early, yes? So she'll probably be a teenager or a young adult by the time she was married. The Bible says she was married for seven years, and then she became a widow. So bad as bad, she won't have passed 37, yes? I know it would be a lot less than that, but... So from that moment, she was praying to see the Messiah. And please be mindful that the voice of God was silent in that period. So she held on to the last thing that was said about the Messiah and continued to pray about it until she said, finally, the Lord has graced me to see the Messiah. And this was over 50 years. Waiting. Why? Because she trusted that he who made a promise... Is faithful to fulfill it. She wasn't praying for herself. She wasn't praying to be married again, to find love again. I'm not saying those are bad things. I'm just saying that the things, the burdens God has placed in your heart. See, Daniel, yes, read the books and saw that it was written that after 70 years, the children of God should have been freed from exile. But they were lounging in the exile, they were comfortable. And he picked up that burden from the word and began to pray. First of all, he repented that their eyes were not focused on the things that God had said. And he began to pray. Do you know that Daniel did not follow them back? But his burden was that the word of God would be fulfilled. The reason I don't even know why I'm even going in this direction. Because it's not. Yeah, but understand that it's not enough. In Amos, it says, I'm tired of your meetings, meetings, meetings. If you will not, if I don't see justice in your streets, if I don't see the things that burden in my heart, if I don't see the things that I want to see, don't gather before me if you're not going to do the things that I'm asking you to do. You are here and God is putting burdens on your heart, but you are dismissing them because you are looking at the logistics of how it will be. See, um, God will not give you more than you can bear. And when he says bear, it means that, it means capacity. God will not give you something that is beyond his capacity because in his fatherhood nature, it is not a good father's responsibility to give a child more than he can bear. If you've not trained that child and brought that child up to the place where they can carry it, and that's where devotion comes to play. Devotion is is you waiting steadfastly on the things that God has said until God decides to do them. The reason I was giving you that Peter's example, yes, is that after everything, yes, is that same Peter, yes, that went with them in the upper room. And the Bible says that they waited, they prayed and waited, and they received power after the Holy Spirit had come upon them to be his witnesses. The same Peter that went back fishing, almost as if he had lost hope, is the same one that stood before the people that they were running away from and said, We are not drunk. We've come to speak to you about the Jesus that you crucified. Do you know how much mind you have to have had To talk to the people who actually had the capacity to crucify Jesus, to tell them, I've come to speak to you about the one you crucified. Why? He had seen, he had met Jesus, the one who his desire will belong to, the one who he will give everything. You know, initially he left everything to follow Jesus. But he met with Jesus and gave everything. For his cause. See, everyone. Sorry, please time me. Time. Who's helping me with the time? Okay, great. Thank you. (laughs) So the word devotion, yes, refers to an act of consecration, dedication. It is to devote yourself completely. It actually means to lay down completely for the for a cause you have to give Jesus your everything. And I know that I was going to say something today, that when it comes to giving Jesus your everything, one of the things that causes us fear is the fact that we we are thinking about our sustenance. We are thinking about how we will sustain if we give everything because the examples or the pictures of people who have given everything to Jesus look like those missionaries that have gone in the field and they've left their families and they've left everything to follow Jesus and you've seen the stories of their lives and everything and you have that mental image and you just think that if I give Jesus everything... You know, I don't know what will become of me. So I can give Jesus 50 and then sort the remaining 50 out. But I just want to tell you, um, aside the fact that God is capable of taking care of you, like really, like it says that, The sparrows, they neither gather, nor put in store in barns, but the heavenly father takes good care of them. How much more you, you know, he, no one, even Solomon is not as best dressed as the lilies in the garden, but but God, they, they wither, they grow and they wither and they fail, but God takes care of them. God will take care of you. And when God is, when you are sold out to the will of God, right? God is not only going to give you missionary things to do. Because the entire earth is the Lord's and the mountain of our God has to rise above every other mountain. So, so I'm not asking you to, and be looking at somebody else's job and say, I am the mountain of the Lord, I will overthrow. No, you cannot make an already corrupt system into a godly system because it's built on a wrong foundation. You have to build a foundation on Christ to show the world the example of how we actually should be done. So if we are going to do that... Yes, it has to be everywhere. We cannot be spiritually upright and be economically deficient. We will not show people what what the use of money is for. We will not show them that money is actually a tool to advance the will of God because you don't have it. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'll give you four examples. Abraham, yes, had his own life, his own business. Yes? Correct? Yes. He had his own business. He was a businessman. And he fulfilled the will of God. The promise of God was given to him, and he fulfilled it. Daniel, on the other hand, fulfilled the will of God in and in somebody else's captivity. Yes, he didn't have his own business. Because sometimes when we think about this, first we say, entrepreneurial spirit is upon us we have to start our own business no you can be faithful in another man's home Joseph did the same thing do you know what it means for a pagan nation to look at three Hebrew boys in the fire and say "I, I see God how did they know that it was the Lord you must be willing to enter the fire too now if you want the glory of God to go everywhere. Right? It's not only pastors that enter fire. What we pastors do, actually, we are even the ones who enjoy the most. We are supposed to prepare you for the work of ministry. So we are supposed to equip you with the things you need to enter the fire well. Yeah? How many of you are smoky? ready for the fire. But you're laughing because you don't think that the poor man will be with you in the fire. You think you will actually suffer the heat. So we are not willing. Honestly, oh, hmm, it is well. And I'm telling you, there is no rocket science. There is nothing new. The rudiments are the same. The desire of God will move you to pray. Do you know that Moses was not up the mountain? God did not tell him, come up the mountain and be with me for 40 days. No, we knew it was 40 days because God sent him back down and told him that your people have gone. Please hurry up and go down. And when he went and said Moses had been gone for 40 days, that means if there was no chaos, Moses would have been there. It's a desire of God. How many of you have been in love now? Yes. If it's not with a human being, at least with novels and movies. Those of you that be watching series and say one last episode is 4 a.m. Another one is 8 a.m. Let me just quickly finish this book. Is the next day. It's desire and devotion. You desired it and you gave the time it required to, f- to satisfy that desire that you had in your heart. You will know what I'm talking about. Those of you that will cook, enter bus, enter bike and go and deliver the food. <laughs> it's devotion. It's devotion. You lose your last money. Say, I just wanted to send you credit. You know it's your last. You gave your widow's might for love. <laughs> it's devotion. And God desires, He says that you shall serve no other God but me. He says, We might tell this to your children. Anytime they ask about me, He says, I am the Lord. You shall have no other gods but me. God desires. God is worthy of your desire, but he's also worthy of your devotion. You taking the time and patience to pour everything that you are in the direction of your desire. Because if it's not God, it's something else. And we're going to give it to that. Some of you desire comfort above everything. You will not pray because comfort has become your God. I'm trying to find a comfortable time to pray. Yeah. This place is too noisy. I need quiet. What you're looking for is comfort. You know, they said they, said, they said they are looking for people to serve in church, you know. Just like, it's not a good time for me. What are you doing with the time? You know, you see, the Bible was speaking on one that said... I would, he said, I will make, in paraphrasing, he he was preparing what he would do. And he says, he said, I will gather in my barn, yes, I will eat and I will make merry and tomorrow. And he says, you fool, tonight your life will be required of you. The time that you don't have is not even yours in the first place. It was given to you for a purpose and a reason. And that time you negotiate that time with the owner of the time. It's almost like you have a house help. I was saying the last time. And the house help says, no, the task that you give me, I will write it down for you. I know you employed me in this house. But there are a list of things that I can do, some things I can't do. So me, as the house help, I will wake up um, at 10. Yeah? Then I will give you, like, a few minutes of my time. See, anything I cannot do more than this. Don't stress me. (laughs) 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 Ah! Ah! How many of you do that in the office? You go to work and just say, okay, I have two things on my to-do list for today. Once I I'm, I'm, I'm do them, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> Why can't you do it? Because they are paying for your time. Right? They are paying for your time. And so you have to give the value for the time that they are paying for. But Jesus Christ gave you his life in exchange for your life. And so Paul says that it is no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. And the life I live, I live for the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I hope you, you are hearing me, Shah. Yeah? See, it's not going to be beyond the rudiment, spiritual disciplines that we, we will do. You're not going to get a new thing, it's still the same thing. You have to pray, you have to read your Bible. You have to fast when God requires it of you. You have to be single-minded in your devotion to God. It's the same thing. We have to exist in community. God who made the church and decided that his word will come through the church is not crazy, is not foolish that you have decided that you want to do life with God outside the church. I know some of you have been hurt by the church, but God still chooses the church. Like my husband would say, you cannot love him, I hate his bride. It means you actually don't love him. I know you've been hurt by the church. But the church is still the primary means God is going to use to communicate his word. And if you must learn it, you must do it through the church. He will build you and refine you and mold you and sharpen you and strengthen you out with the church. Oh, Lord, said today that the fruits of the spirit, they grow in the roughest ground. You cannot learn the spiritual things you want to learn outside the community of God. Who is going to test your patience? (laughs) (laughs) Who is going to do that? How would you know you've grown? How will you know how to have mercy? How will you know how to have mercy if you have not fallen and received mercy? He says, He who has been forgiven much loves much. You must serve, see, better not to do anything for God than to say you want to do it for God, but you are doing it your own way. Just, just be calm now and know that you are enjoying that life. Because you cannot say you are a Christian. And you don't enjoy that the service you are doing for God, you don't enjoy it. You are just doing it as a chore. Prayer is a chore. Hey, Jesus is not the love of your life. That's why talking to him is a chore. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I beseech you, brethren, by the message of God, that you present your body, your being, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. That's the only reasonable act of worship. It's the only reasonable act of worship that you say, I desire you, God, <clears throat> and I'm devoted to your will. It's devotion that made the early church rejoice in tribulation. That the word of God could spread as the as the church was persecuted. <clears throat> that in the church they will be eaten up with lions and burnt on stakes, and they will rejoice because they looked to a, a, a city whose author and builder was God. That's where their eyes were. They looked to a city whose author and finisher was God. God has to be your everything. He has to consume your thoughts, your being, your breath, your living. That the things that you are not ashamed to declare him as Lord, even in the secular space. That you have a calling as an evangelist or pastor or prophet or teacher. Somebody from work says to you, ah, I'll be a pastor. And you are not ashamed. Because God is your love. He's your everything. And when they gather and for formalities, they say, can somebody pray for, for us today? And you know it's you. Because who better to pray in a gathering than a child of God? You know it's you. Where people are insulting God and something vexes within you. Because you're speaking about the love of your life in such a, 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 a derogatory way. People are talking about God in your presence. It shouldn't be said of you that people are saying, you know, um, Christians, I don't know how people are still Christians when they are educated and enlightened. Somebody doesn't rise within you that they are talking about the love of my life in such a way. See? God must consume you. So, as I round up, (laughs) we have seen all true scriptures what desire has done. David desired Bathsheba and went uh, as far as killing Uriah for her. We have seen that the people one time said that they desire that their throne will be above and will build a tower that will reach God and God looked at them and said nothing will be impossible for these ones to do they had the desire if you desire God there's nothing that he asked you to do that will be beyond you to do you will approach it with excitement and with joy you will look forward to it you will wait on him until he gives you direction it will consume the entire reason why you are alive it will be your drive it will be your energy